The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something special. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think it's really hard for people to finish things. Um, Another writer I know uh, said it's like in airplanes, there's ground aversion that that like this bubble of air forms under an airplane as it's trying to land. And the term is ground aversion. You know, it has to break through that bubble of air to actually hit the ground. And I think um, somebody else said that, you know, when you finish something, especially a long project like a novel, you do have a, a small grief experience and you feel it coming and and you don't want it. Welcome back to The Writer Files. I am still your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. Critically acclaimed and award-winning author, Michelle Hunovan talked to me about her former life as an LA food critic, how to write self-referential fiction, and the spiritual detective work behind her latest novel, Search. Michelle's books have been New York Times notables and finalists for the LA Times Book Prize and the National Book Critics Circle Award. She's the recipient of a Whiting Award for Fiction, a Guggenheim Fellowship, and a James Beard Award for Feature Writing with Recipes. Her fifth novel, Search, was named one of the 10 most anticipated fiction books of 2022 by Kirkus and described as a sharp and funny novel of a congregational search committee told as a memoir with recipes. Michelle received her MFA from the Iowa Writers' Workshop and teaches creative writing at UCLA. In this file, Michelle and I discussed how she draws psychic juice from her fiction writing, what 20 minutes a day can do for your writing routine, the ground aversion scribes face to finishing, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates get links to merch and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. Okay, we are back on The Writer Files. I am honored today to be joined by the award-winning novelist and food writer, Michelle Hunovan joins us today. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Thanks, Kelton, for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, it is a, a true pleasure. Um, 
I can't wait to pick your brain about all things writing and the writing life and your latest uh, search, which I've been enjoying. And um, yeah, before that, as we do with so many authors, take us back a little bit and talk about kind of your early days as a food writer and and this uh, fantastic ascent of yours and this career of yours, because it's been pretty interesting. Well, when I graduated from the Iowa Writers Workshop, like almost every other graduate, I wanted to write my first novel and get my first story published. So I wrote and I wrote and I wrote, but I also needed to support myself. So uh, since college, I'd been a waitress and I kept being a waitress in various restaurants and trying to write. And um, a friend of mine, also from the workshop, got a job at California Magazine. It's long defunct, but it was a glossy state magazine, kind of like the Texas Monthly is today. And she had me writing long-form journalism. I wrote these long, intensely reported pieces on, oh, I wrote one on the Urban Coyote. I wrote one on the Stanford Band. Uh, They were great fun. They were very immersive. And they took some of the psychic juice that I needed for my fiction writing. Mm. Meanwhile, I'm eyeing the restaurant critic. And because I'd worked in restaurants, I was interested in them. I always loved to cook. I always loved food. And here he was going out to eat and then (laughs) writing about it. Uh I was very envious. Well, he got a job with the LA Times. He was a famous, uh, wonderful critic, Jonathan Gold. And I just nagged my editor until she let me uh, try my hand at it. Hmm. And I wrote like, I think four or five reviews for California magazine. And then I was offered a job at the LA times as well. Wow. So that's how I got my job. I got my start writing, um, restaurant reviews and I wrote them for 15 years. And I also wrote food pieces, uh, for the food section in the LA times, which was terrific fun. I love writing about food even more than about restaurants. Yeah, so you're like an old school foodie. Um, you probably were a foodie before a foodie was even a, a thing. And um, yeah, that's a pretty cool story. I mean, that isn't quite an envious position, isn't it? The the food critic for a large uh, big newspaper. But yeah, I have to say it wasn't as glamorous as it sounds because I wasn't the lead critic. Jonathan Gold did all of the ethnic restaurants and the sort of cheap eats places. Mm-hmm. And at first it was Ruth Reichel uh, wrote all of the high-end places. So I had the great broad middle, which for <laughs> weeks on end often meant new Italian restaurants, which, <laughs> which in the 80s and 90s were just popping up like crazy. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Well, I've eaten at quite a few of those Italian restaurants in Los Angeles, but I'm imagining like Spago wasn't one of them. No, but at one point um, I decided that I wanted to write a book about Spago and I started eating there every week and I never did write the book, but I did eat there every week for a couple of years. That's awesome. And it was a, it was a marvelous experience. And one of the reasons I couldn't write the book is that, of course, they knew me, and of course, <laughs> they were self presenting in a way that that made them seem perfect. And in my mind, they are perfect. But I never heard anybody yell in the kitchen 
and things like that. They they kept it fairly <laughs> sanitized, but I did eat some spectacular food. And um, yeah. I really admire Wolfgang Puck for a thousand things that he's done. And the chef Lee Hefter was just, he was an amazing, inventive cook. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Well, it's quite a, quite an interesting journey for you, of course, coming from Iowa, as so many great writers do, and then delving into the food scene. And now, of course, this string of award-winning uh, novels. Let's talk about Search a little bit and kind of the, the kernel of inspiration for this. Obviously, coming from that food um, world, that shines through in the, in the work. But yeah, talk, talk some about Search and kind of um, how this latest came to be? Well, Search is a novel about a church search committee, of all things. But I got the idea when I was on a, I was on a small search committee, just for an assistant minister, not a major position, just a one to three year appointment, but they still needed a small search committee to go through applicants and interviews and, and select a person. And the first thing that interested me were the way that the applicants applied, they wrote this thing called a ministerial record, and they were asked all sorts of probing questions, some of which they had to write quite a bit for, like, what what was your most memorable church experience? Or write about a mistake you made and what you did to correct it. And uh, how were you called to ministry? And so they wrote these little mini stories, these little mini narratives and that were hmm. so individual and so interesting that, you know, I, I felt that little tremble of, hmm, this could be, this could be in a book. Hmm. And then um, our favorite candidate turned out, uh, we, were all, we were all for this person, and then a little bird told us that maybe we should dig a little deeper. And we dug a little deeper and found out some things that uh, disqualified that person. And so that seemed like, detective work, which also seemed incredibly <laughs> novelistic to me. So that was my first idea for the novel. And then I I needed a narrator. I needed a point of view. And I just thought, well, I've never written about being a food critic. Maybe my character will be a food writer. <laughs> and so the narrator, the, the book has this funny, slightly jokey meta setup where the actual title is Search, a memoir with recipes by Dana Louise Potowski, a novel by Michelle Hunovan. So <laughs> Search is the book um, by Dana, written about her year-long experience on the search committee, um, but I wrote it. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's got that... The clever self-referential piece, um, which is pretty fascinating because, uh, yeah, as, as I look at your bio and your experience, of course, you can't help but kind of uh, make that comparison. And then that preface to the second edition as the device at the beginning is, is very funny um, in and of itself, you know, and, and of course the author, it, it's almost as if you've done some of the marketing for your, for your, uh, <laughs> publicist team there <laughs> well face it kelton a book about a church search committee doesn't sound really like something most people would be interested in reading and 
what the preface does is it tells you kind of how to read the book. <laughs> yeah. It, it reassures you that it's going to be a wild ride. And I think it is kind of a wild ride. That's cool. So, um, yeah, it's how to read a how to read a book about a church search committee. Uh, it's a reassurance that it's hopefully enjoyable. Amazing, amazing. Well, congratulations on the work and all of the uh, press, and of course, um, you've gotten some fantastic blurbs and reviews. Um, named one of the 10 most anticipated fiction books of 2022 by Kirkus, of course, um, from critically acclaimed award-winning author Michelle Hanovan, a sharp, funny novel of a congregational search committee told as a memoir with recipes. So, so you're having a lot of fun with this. And then, of course, um, having been a, a James Beard award-winning food writer, um, it's hard for you not to uh, have these like um, incredibly savory mouth-watering uh <laughs> descriptions of having a, a lunch <laughs> yes <laughs> and just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive writer files patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews a writer's happy hour bonus breakdowns and a lot more I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When I was a, um, an active restaurant reviewer, I was so compulsively thinking about food. I was at my therapist once where all of a sudden she said, Michelle, you don't have to review the food for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. It just invaded me. But it was because of the uh, James Beard Award. It was for an award for feature writing mm. with recipes. Okay. And the with recipes part always cracked me up because it always seemed a little bit like a pulled punch, you know, like <laughs> like um, maybe this isn't the most serious of feature writing. But on the other hand, it also is like feature writing with a little bonus, like a little <laughs> Cracker Jack prize. You get a recipe with this one. <laughs> and so I always wanted to write a novel with recipes because it always kind of cracked me up. Um <laughs> Because a lot of people will say, oh, it's a novel with recipes. Well, I'm a literary person. I don't want to read that. You know, there's something about it that 
that's going to hit some people's prejudices, I'm afraid. But other people will be like, oh, a novel with recipes, you know, maybe I'll just read the recipes. <laughs> You'll you get the whole gamut. But anyway, um, it always tickled my funny bone, the little with recipes thing. And so I decided to, to um, just, like you say, have a lot of fun with this and put in some recipes. Yes. And I, I may butcher this name, Tane Tierney. Is that yes. Yes, I think so. Of book page wrote, uh, James Beard and Whiting Award winner Hanovan gleefully digs into the sausage making of a new AG church committee trying to reach consensus. And, uh, and of course, as we know, reaching consensus on anything these days, especially, uh, is pretty, pretty tough. I thought it was cool that Sanjana Southian, also author of uh, Gold Diggers, who's been on this show and um, spoken with us on this show, had, had some very nice things to say also. But um, congrats uh, on you. the reception thus far. And um, yeah, so let's talk about your process. And as, a, as an instructor and an educator, uh, you teach creative writing at UCLA, is that right? Yes, I do. And that must be pretty fun for you because, you know, as I speak with so many authors that are also educators, um, it's kind of interesting as they genuflect about the craft and, you know, and kind of also how they teach it and how it's helped them to kind of, um, you know, examine their own process. Uh, talk mm. a little bit about kind of um, how that works for you and, and, yeah, how you teach. Well, uh, two things come to mind. One of the things that I tell my students is that they have to write every day. They have to set the timer and they have to write for 20 minutes a day, no matter what, because mm. otherwise they're not going to get any better. Of course, And then I have them report back to me. They have to give me a, a writer's log every week. They have to tell me what they did every day. Of course, they don't write every day, but they're writing you know, three, five times, six times a week, sometimes seven days a week. And the way the standard workshop model works is that, you know, you get to submit a story two, maybe three times a quarter or a semester, which means mm -hmm. that you write two or three times a semester. So I make my students write something every week and come to class and read it aloud, write and read aloud, write and read aloud. They improve so fast. And by the hmm. time they leave my 10-week, you know, quarter course, they've got nine manuscripts that they can work on. And I've uh, developed this over time because it's where I see the most improvement. And so one of the ways that I help them write every week is I give them prompts, you know, and they're prompts that are connected to a short story that, that we've read. Like if I give them Chekhov, Lady with the Dog, the prompt might be, uh, write a love story with an ambiguous ending or hmm. something like that. So when I finished writing Search and I'd submitted it, um, you can't, you're not quite done with a book when it's sold. You have to edit it. You have to copy edit it. You have to read the galleys. You have to write an author questionnaire. You get a thousand little tasks which make it really difficult to sit down and start work on a big, new, immersive project. So I thought, I really need to write. What should I do? Well, I had like 120 prompts from all, all of my hmm. teaching. And I just wrote a prompt a day to get some ideas. And that was really fun and really educational for me. So teaching 
as you say, it teaches the students. It also teaches the writer who's teaching. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's fantastic. So you're taking you're taking your own uh, medicine there, or um, eating your own dog food, as it were. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so when you're really getting into the flow yourself, and once you've kind of, you know, once once you're out from under all the thousand little tasks, and you're actually, you know, working on a, a, a manuscript at a place where you are kind of hitting your stride. Mm-hmm. Um, what does a day feel like for you? What does it What does it look like? Does it start with coffee? Are you a morning or a nighttime writer? Are you blocking out time? How is it working? I'm a I'm a morning kind of daily writer. I get up, I drink tea. Coffee jacks you up, but tea cheers you up. Hmm. And uh, I'm a big tea drinker. So uh, my husband usually makes me a cup of tea, very sweet of him. And we sit around in our beautiful kitchen for a while and read the news and grunt at each other. And then I go up, we both go to work. And I have a little study in the backyard. And it's pretty much reserved for working so that when I come up in here, that's what I want to do. It's kind of like Pavlovian. I just need to get to work. And I look out into beautiful trees and I don't know, it just it's just where where I've trained myself to get down to work. And I'll mm-hmm. work for a few hours, um, depending on how uh, you know immersed I am. And uh, sometimes I work all day. And then I cook dinner. I love to cook dinner because usually, you know, I'm a novelist, so I work on these long projects that take me forever. And so it's fun mm-hmm. to go into the kitchen and cook something and from start to finish, create something and it's done. So it's nice to finish something every day. It's one of the reasons why I could write while I was reviewing restaurants too, because it gave me so much pleasure to write something that was finished, you know, mm-hmm. once a week. Yeah, it, ma- it makes you less afraid of endings. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think that's a, that's a commonality amongst writers kind of a fear the fear of the ending <laughs> yeah i think it's really hard for people to finish things um another writer i know uh said it's like in airplanes there's ground aversion that that like this bubble of air forms under an airplane as it's trying to land and the term is ground aversion you know mm. it has to break through that bubble of air to actually hit the ground and i think um somebody else said that you know when you finish something especially a long project like a novel, you do have a, a, a small grief experience and you feel it coming and, and you don't want it. Hmm. You know, and also then you have to start something new. It's just better to be in the middle of something, the big vague middle. That's interesting, yeah. You know? uh, I, I, and yeah, and like from a creative standpoint, I do wonder if a lot of writers end up, you know, just, constantly starting things but then you know never actually you know you hear this mm-hmm. story a lot like i'm sure you meet tons of writers um every year that say you know i've i've got this novel idea and i've written <laughs> the first two chapters but then it never comes to fruition right they just keep starting new projects right yeah that's interesting and that that probably is what separates you know um kind of hobbyists from professionals, right? Because professionals are constantly facing deadlines and really having to break through that ground diversion. 
constantly. Yeah, exactly. Although I have this thing where I just hate having a big unfinished project. To me, it just, it just, um, it's too psychically debilitating to have this project hmm. that, that isn't done. Yeah, you know, I couldn't. I couldn't bear to have like two unfinished novels on my computer. It would just drive me crazy. <laughs> I think, uh, for whatever reason, and this is, I'm not comparing you to James Cameron in the in the least, but I <laughs> I remember the story of James Cameron. The you know he's the he's the a screenwriter, film director, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. and director, where he he had two different desks and he was writing simultaneously. I think he was writing. I want to say a movie called The Abyss and Mm -hmm. a movie called um, uh, Terminator at the same time. So he would would do different music. He would have different music in different settings, but he was writing them simultaneously. (laughs) And he must have a different type of a writer's brain because that's kind of, uh, that would be psychically debilitating, I think, for a lot of us. Yeah, or or really interesting. I mean, I wonder (laughs) if you could bifurcate your brain like that. I mean, I, Mm. you know, I did write non- nonfiction and fiction at the same time yeah well it and it, it shines through in your writing because you have such an eye for detail and i think so many great journalists really do excel at literary fiction because of that eye for detail and that that kind of that empathy piece yeah i think that um creative nonfiction, as it's called you know makes use of the novelist's tools like scene making and dialogue and keen observation, maybe not so much imagination, but it does, uh, even in nonfiction, you have to use your imagination to, to shape things and, and uh, figure out how to deliver them in, a, in an effective manner. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Before we kind of wrap up with your advice to your fellow scribes, mm-hmm. yeah, I wanted to ask, well, not only about um, how you're feeling uh, kind of as you approach the publicity piece and, you know, going on tour and all that, um, what's, the, what's, what's the feeling there right now? Is, have you passed through this uh, kind of momentary grief? <laughs> Yeah, I feel like a mother sending her child off to kindergarten. <laughs> you know, I'm standing there at the school gates and the kid is looking back wistfully like, am I going to get eaten alive or <laughs> am I going to make a new best friend? <laughs> but 
you know, I want my book to have a good life out in the world. I want it to find the readers that will enjoy it. Yeah. And that's what I that's what I hope for. And I hope it has a good life. Books have a life of their own, regardless what you want for them. Something will always surprise you. Hmm. Um, what are you enjoying right now? Do you have anything um, sitting on your nightstand that you're loving, or you know st- that you keep coming back to, or any any uh, authors you want to mention? Well, I'm teaching uh, Willa Cather right now. I'm teaching mm. Maya Antonia, and it's probably my fourth or fifth reading. Um, well, I probably read it three times just to teach the class, so it might be even more than that. Hmm. And I mean, except for there are some passages that are quite dated, but otherwise, it is a most luminous, beautiful, beautifully wrought book. And each time I pass through, I I notice new things, and it's so layered and complex, and yet so deceptively simple. Hmm. Um, I just, I love her writing, but this book is really amazing me, um, on a really deep level. It's like, you can't, you can't ever reach the bottom with this book. It just keeps opening and opening like a big flower. Hmm. So that's been just a pure joy. And my students love it too. I had this one young woman who was just desperate for a senior seminar and she just picked any senior seminar. She picked my senior seminar, never heard of Willa Cather. And <laughs> the the second day she said, I was so nervous taking this class. I never heard of Willa Cather. And, but I just love this book. So that was really gratifying that somebody could like walk off the street and pick up this book and just like, oh my God, <laughs> what a fantastic book. And then I'm also teaching food writing this quarter. So uh, we've been reading some of the great food writers. This week we read uh, Laurie Colwin, who is just so amusing and charming. It's like reading your best friend telling you all of her dinner party gossip and her failed recipes and her, (laughs) you know, her recipe successes. Yeah. Next week we're reading, um, one of the people we're reading is this uh, food culture writer, uh, Laura Shapiro, who's just brilliant, and she writes. Uh, she wrote a book called um, "What She Ate," and it's the most idiosyncratic book I've ever read. She just picked six <laughs> women out of history and described what what they ate, what their relationship <laughs> to food was. And uh, one of the people she picked is Eleanor Roosevelt. And she writes this whole essay about, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt not really wanting to be first lady. And one of the things that she did was she brought her housekeeper from Rhinebeck to be the cook in the White House. And the woman really couldn't cook. In fact, she was a (laughs) terrible cook. She was a horrible cook. And word went out that if you were going to go dine at the White House, you had to eat before because the food was inedible. Oh, no. It probably was her revenge on Franklin for making her be first lady. <laughs> That's a great story. Yeah, it's a wonderful uh, profile and in a wonderful, odd, beautifully individual book, What She Ate by Laura Shapiro. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll put that in the show notes for sure. All right, uh, fun one for you. If you could have dinner with any author from any era to your favorite restaurant in the world, who would you take and where would you take them? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Well, 
I would probably take Henry James to Spago. <laughs> Perfect. He, he would love it. It might not quite be formal enough for him, but but he would love it because um, it's so lively and full of life and full of celebrities and the mm. food is fantastic and and brilliant Amazing. and he's brilliant. So lovely, lovely. I'm sure that would be one for the ages. It would. Fantastic. Well, uh, before we wrap up here, just uh, I will, of course, link to um, your latest and your home base there, michellehunovan.com. The book is Search. You can do the, you can do the honors for the extended title. <laughs> <laughs> Search, a memoir with recipes by Dana Louise Potowski, a novel by Michelle Hunovan. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So much fun. Um, so, uh, yeah, just, uh, any, any, any last words, um, aside from, yeah, just kind of anything you want to share with your fellow scribes and just how to persevere. Oh, just keep writing. I think it's really important that, um, you know, writing, writing rides that cusp between the interior world and the exterior world. And the exterior world is very much with us lately. But I think it's also important to, you know, get the soul out there, um, get the spirit out there. And mm. that's why writing is so vital to our survival. It keeps us in touch with our deeper human selves. Well put. Thank you so much, Michelle, for taking the time. Uh, we appreciate your wisdom and, um, of course, your work. And come back and, and wrap with us again in the future. Thanks, Kelton, so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm. <laughs>